The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. It's that time again where we bid farewell to another week on the show with another song to close. And for this, I'm very happy to welcome back author and all-around awesome human, Prez Maxson. Yo, yo, yo. I, I'm so excited to talk about this song. I can't stand it. All right. Yeah, <laughs> this song we'll be looking at and talk about the 1996 video for Alanis Morissette's Ironic. Ironic is the third single from the 1995 Grammy Album of the Year, Jagged Little Pill. That album, which sold 33 million copies worldwide, 15 million in the U.S., making it the third best-selling album of the 90s. And only Shania Twain's Come On Over and the Metallica Black Album sold more copies in that decade. And... Um, I would not have guessed those two. I guess the Shania makes sense. I don't think I would have guessed the Metallica Black. Yeah, the Black album seemed like I know it was popular, but like that pop, maybe over time it's taken because I feel like that's an ageless one that some kid's always going to go back and buy the Black album. I feel like Shania's of the moment and most of those sales came then, but maybe, but the Black album had like the whole decade didn't it most it came out early or no and justice for all was their early one no i don't know when you said shania i was like oh the second one's probably garth you know because yeah said, that's right well, it wasn't a garth brook album like well, his greatest yeah. hits was and garth has, is in the top 10 selling of all time in fact i think he's in the top three right yeah. with elvis and the beatles yeah but then also when i think about garth he wasn't necessarily like an album strong artist mm-hmm. And and he started repackaging things, you know, like greatest mm-hmm. hits and stuff like later on. Yeah. Uh, even in the nineties. Not that I know too much about it. Right. <laughs> but and I guess it makes sense. Yeah, Shania is only a little over half a million more than Jagged Little Pill mm-hmm. and Metallica is under a million and a half more than Jagged Little Pill. Does it count Alanis's re record of Jagged Little Pill front to back in acoustic. Have you heard that? No, I don't think I would count that. Yeah, yeah, I have heard. I, I have that one. That's very good. And I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I ironic, which we have here, is the highest charting single from this album, nominated for two Grammys itself. Record of the year, which record of the year is usually a single album. Of the year is the album, mm-hmm. uh, and a music video. It was nominated for six MTV VMAs, winning three of them. Yeah. Did you have Jagged Little Pill, I imagine, in the 90s? The 90s were the age of Press Maxson in high school, and I, I was all into pop radio and stuff then. I think I was a Counting Crows guy, but I i mean, Counting Crows and, and Alanis Morissette are related, strictly, yeah. for sure, you know? And my sister had Jagged Little Pill, and she also loved Counting Crows, so she and I shared that stuff like we she's two years younger than i am but we mm-hmm. had a shared love of it so jagged little pill was was in our house but i mean even back then i felt like every single song 
on Jay Little Pill hit hard. And that was one of those that had four, five, six singles six, on it. Six singles. You it, ought to know all I really want. One hand in my pocket. You learn head over feet. And of course, ironic here. Half the album. Yeah. This thing was just nonstop. You know what's funny about that? My buddies and I were thinking about a couple of years ago, we, we were playing the Raskeller on somewhat regular cadence. Okay. Like twice every year. And one year, we had this idea, let's do like an Alanis tribute show where oh. if if our set time is only like 45 minutes or something, let's just play. You learn, you ought to know, head over feet, hand them a pocket and ironic. And I was like, we would melt that place. And we're not like really a cover band, but it was right. like, it was like if we did just like all J Little Pill selections, there would be singers along, like singers singing along. There'd be like, like drunk people, like, you know, we'd be melting faces. I mean, even today that I, like this album is in my revered airspace. If, if I had to list a top 10 of the nineties, it's got a place without question for me. Oh like my I, gosh. And I'm a, I'm a little, you know, angsty teen boy growing up in the nineties. And I have this album rocking it. Everything on it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was a pop version of the grunge alternative stuff. It was, I mean, it got compared to being like a soft Courtney love type vibe, like whole, but being accessible and not scaring parents exactly. type. Way more accessible than whole. Celebrity skin was its own thing. I don't know if I feel like it's app, it's apples to oranges, but like, yeah, but I think the way Alanis has aged has made this way upper echelon than like celebrity skin. I don't think celebrities. Oh no, no, no. Well, that one or the these albums. Yeah. Everybody knows it, but I can't imagine anybody hating this. And even as we've gone older past it, I think it's probably even more fondly looked upon. And with Alanis, she never hit this height again with her music. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, she had that first single was pretty big off her next Thank you, India, or whatever. Yeah, and then just kind of, well, you know, she did stuff, but... Alanis was the perfect... I swear we can start talking about the music video in a second. We will, we will. But, I mean, this is Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, (laughs) I thought Jagged Little Pill and Alanis herself was the perfect bridge. Like, you Mm -hmm. said, take us from grunge, from Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots, and take us into the era of Counting Crows, Dave Matthews, the singer-songwriter mm-hmm. era of Sonny Came Home. And what's that one? Everything's gonna be all right. Rockabye. Yes. Sean Mullins, that's his name. Right. Yeah. Getting a little softer. Uh, a little yeah, more po- it, softer, but more positive with the, the outlook of the music. Exactly. Like, she was, like, the, the connective tissue between, like, all that, I feel mm-hmm. like. Where she had a foot in every camp. But didn't go the whole grunge way. Didn't go the whole like singer songwritery way. Well, it's uh, weird. She she has an interesting like career because she does jagged little pill and then winds up on Dave Matthews bands before these crowded streets. She does backup vocals on that album and then guests on a verse on a song called Spoon to close the album. So it's kind of weird that she about that. just goes in and does. And then they end up firing Steve Lillywhite and then use Glenn Ballard, her producer for Jagged Little Pill to rush a pop album out to make that was it for every one, day? the everyday. Yeah. Because yeah. they ditched their, the sessions they were working on with Steve Lillywhite, their fourth album, because 
studio thought it was too dark and nobody was going to buy it. But Gray Street is still today like uh, like an all time fave for well, the, Dave. The, well, the goal the goal was the goal was to take Gray Street to Glenn Ballard and pep it up a bit, a couple of those songs, pep them up a bit and make them more pop friendly. To do it, and then they him and Ballard wrote like 11 new songs in a week and they wound up with that but he yep. had produced because it's kind of funny because she comes in with before these crowd streets and then he winds up with ballard so i'm sure there may be a connection there or something like that but yeah that's just an interesting step because she is on top of the world at this time and like i'll go do some backups <laughs> you know and it's not even i think they on the back of the thing they do put her on spoon as featuring but just kind of an interesting thing that was before like I, guesting I on stuff was also- cool she also did backup on um, "Don't Drink the Water." Don't and, and Halloween, and she yeah. yells, "If you can, if you have a good set of cans and you have it on like vinyl, she's saying some really nasty stuff, screaming towards the end of that song." Yeah, but yeah, I guess we're here to talk Jagged Little Pill, not because <laughs> I could go on about that one for a long time. Yeah, but th- this one just it's and her and Ballard just they said they hit it off like I think Ironic was the first one they wrote together, mm. and that guy can get you like pop hits like in a second i bought it off basically was you ought to know was that the first single i was doing my no, research right yeah. or was it all i really want but you ought to know was the one that hooked me because it was just hard and i was like i want hard rock and roll songs yeah and, and i think this one kind of at the time we we're talking about teen angsty boy we're not talking about like a I'm not trying to talk gender neutral stuff i'm trying to talk the mentality of the time uh-huh. but her music was really appealing to boys because she wasn't singing the typical girl music of the time i think it was really appealing to a teenage boy because she had a heavy first single and then she was pretty silly with the other songs right and she had some ballads but everybody had their ballads but like ironic a fun song silly and she wasn't afraid to be weird too that's what i liked about her when we get into the video stuff i think i was in uh the wisconsin dells at a water park, mm-hmm. you know, back before the water parks were all indoors. It's like pretty kitschy, like family vacation town. This is, I don't know, first year in high school or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And they had, they had like at one of their food pavilions, they had a karaoke set up. Okay. So like kind of a weird place for a karaoke set because everyone's just like in bathing suits, eating nachos, like eating you know, pool stand nachos, like <laughs> yeah. before they go over to the wave pool. But I remember one girl got up and sang hand in my pocket. Oh, and okay. I'd never heard it before. I was immediately struck as a budding musician myself. I was like, I was like, wow, I don't know that song, but that feels like it's from like sixties. Like it, oh, yeah. it just had like this kind of like cool old feel, super poetic and um like kind of sounded half protest song like half dylan-ish protest song and and kind of half current and i and i only found out like later that that was like a brand new song by Alanis. oh okay that was my introduction to her but immediately with that experience it made me look at her through the eyes of someone who wasn't like i wasn't looking not through my eyes but i mean i wasn't looking at her as someone who was this brand new person i was like she has like some supernatural wise glow some kind of like female rock shaman you know yeah that i really was sort of attracted to and then i watched this video like this week i haven't seen this video in 25 years and 
she's hot. Oh, she's yeah. Cute. No, I was totally attracted to Lance. It was a weird thing, too, because she wasn't considered attractive exactly. back then, but I was attracted to her back then. She had a thing with her eyes, and she had a really nice smile, and I, I think it was her charisma I really enjoyed, too. I, I was like attracted to her back then. When I saw it now, I was like, oh, my God, she's way cuter than my brain <laughs> remembers thinking she was Yeah. When- 15 16 17 yeah and there was the, the the whole trivia about her she was on you can't do that on television the nickelodeon show and then she, she dated dave coulier and the the would you go down on me in a theater was a message to him right like you ought to know it's supposed to be about dave coulier the last yeah. the least hardcore person in all of television history Right, yeah. And she's like the edgiest like person who you're like, wait a second, she wrote like, that about him? Thank she you, Dave awesome. Couillet. <laughs> right. She was also Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah, they married. Yeah, they were married together right. for, a, for a bit. We were married, married together as opposed to some of us who were. Yeah, yeah <laughs> married together. Well, because he married her and then he was with Scarlett Johansson and then he was with, now he's married to Blake Lively. Yeah. And that seems to be working out for him. Yeah. I don't know who she's married to now. This video, it's directed by Stéphane Sednois. Let's say that. Let's be fancy. All the music videos he also did were Red Hot Chili Peppers, Give It Away. I think Mysteri- it's Stefania. Stefania. Stefania, okay. <laughs> uh, YouTube's Mysterious Ways, Fever by Madonna, Big Time Sensuality by Bjork. So he's he's got some good ones in there. And it just it's it's a simple video. She is gets in her car from a gas station, goes to drive, and the passengers in her car are different versions of her personality. And it's just adorable. It's funny. It's just having a good time. And it sings a song that's catchy as hell. We all know the lyrics to it. It's called Ironic. Some people don't think what's happening in the lyrics is ironic. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. It's fun. I did find something that I never noticed before, but... The video itself is ironic because she starts off the video at a gas station and the drives off and the car runs out of gas at the end. So she should have filled up while she was there because she has a coffee. Who was your favorite Alanis? Was it the driver, the yellow shirt with braids, the green sweater, or the cozy red sweater passenger? Which one? This is the quintessential question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like... I don't know. This might be universal, but uh, you're sort of. Uh, I was first sort of attracted to Driver Alanis because she's yeah. the first one you meet, right? And the she's hat. like the straight man. Yeah, yeah. You know, like she's the one who's laughing at the other ones, and and the others seem to be caricatures of Alanis. I don't know. Braids might have freaked me out a little. I don't know. I don't know if I could hang at dinner with braids for long. The cozy one, I can get down and relate to. She jumps out. She goes out the window, though. She gets crazy, though. I, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I was going to say that the one who goes out the window might be my favorite to watch. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe this is making me sound like too much of a vanilla person, but Driver Alanis, I feel like I connect with. Because you feel like there are parts of all those others in Driver Alanis. She's, like, entertained mm-hmm. by all of them. You, like, you she's know. the one, and they all, like, split out. Exactly. And then they'll go at the end. They'll go back. Exactly. Exactly. So like, there's the whole like, is this all just like projections of her imagination kind of idea? I have particular opinions. I think about music videos because I, 
I don't know. One thing I'm, I'm attracted to about music is that a lot of times you may not need like the visual to enhance it any. Like, a, mm-hmm. like your song is not going to be any better if you make a video for it than it will be if you put it on tape and it's really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do understand that some people might connect with your song more if, if there is a visual element like tied in there. But all that being said, like I'm not a, like a music video hater by any means. I think there are some out there that are so charming. And I think this is one of them. I like I just personally tend to like like things that are simple. And this is such okay. a simple video. Oh, yeah. It's not like you've got the band on a mountaintop doing their thing, like wind in their hair. <laughs> while it's intercut with scenes of like the lead singer in a big fight with a beautiful woman who like storms out on him and he like is tortured by it, you know, and at the end he's reunited with his young son. I'm making all this up. I'm not picturing anything except it could be, I, what I just described, I feel like could be like a Creed video or something. I don't know. Axel rods of death. Right. Right. Something (laughs) like that. Like I love that this is like so, so simple it's like a step up from those old like videos that the beatles would make and send into ed sullivan right which was just like them in a park singing the song or like Like rain was one of those wasn't it rain was one strawberry fields i mean uh, all these ones that that don't really have a plot but it just shows them singing the song there it's creative enough that it's not just them like it's like a welcoming avant-garde type of thing like exactly Spike jones could have done something like this but maybe not as tame exactly but what i love about like ironic is it takes that feel where you're you're welcoming the avant-garde it's not her singing into a microphone her band isn't back there but mm-hmm. you hear all that but it does give some structure and some creativity it's not, not like oh we'll just put them on a horse and they go by or we'll have them all sitting on the edge of a fountain and they'll just all sing. Like that's what I think literally was going through the minds of the directors who did those old Beatle ones. (laughs) Like, Oh, we'll just have you guys line up here. And then you just like, I'll pan and you mouth the words. This is like the next step up, but no one overthought the ironic video. And I think that's for me, what I find the most charming about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I love this video. And going back to it. And now also, if you go on YouTube, they have 4K resolution restorations of all her singles from the Jagged Little Pill. Like I watched Learn, which is probably the most extravagant one of them all, where you find out Taylor Hawkins, who would later join the Foo Fighters, was her drummer for Jagged Little Pill in the tour. So Um, that's in the Foo Fighter documentary. Okay. Because Dave Grohl kind of was like, how do I get the drummer from right now the world's hottest band Alanis Morissette yeah. her band like how do I get him to join my band because he came on on the color and the shape right that was he was because yeah, the, the first one's a Dave Grohl solo effort pretty much album wise I think he came on for the color and the shape tour because I think mm. Dave himself had already done had already okay. done the the drums for color and the shape like the the first guy in Foo Fighters recorded the drums and then mm-hmm. Dave redid them because okay and that was like what destroyed the relationship with the first drummer. But no, you're right. That's the era. But of course, as they say, the rest is history for Taylor Hawkins. This video, like, it's got a very Midwestern, like, genuine feel to it. Like, the the winter feels like a realistic winter. It isn't overly snowy. It's kind of got that, or like a, kind of got that Jersey kind of feel or, you know, anywhere in the U.S. Like, the road she's traveling down, the trees, and I 
just it, it feels like it's happening where I live. You know, it's kind of yeah, an interesting she's touch. Canada, she's Canada. Canada. Yeah, she's Canada. So it could have been shot up there. Yeah, that was. I immediately assumed it was Canada because she's Canadian. Maybe that's like racist of me or national. <laughs> what, what is it? Z- xenophobic? Xenophobic? Is xenophobia? It? Yeah. I don't know. But I um that was charming to me because actually the personal anecdote my wife and i took a road trip last fall we drove mm-hmm. mindy to montreal like so we left right after work one night stopped in london ontario for the evening because it turns out we're not as far from canada as like a lot of people think right and then spent the next day driving from ontario canada pretty much took us most of the like daylight hours to get to montreal but we weren't in a hurry, but we put you learn on our like Canada road trip mix. There you go. Of, of all Canadian artists. So like for some reason, I pictured this ironic video being shot like, you know, just somewhere in Ontario, maybe like in a distant suburb of Toronto or or something. I don't know. But it's like that added a little charm for me. I've got a I've got a soft spot for Canada. Depending on what happens in this election that's happening right now, I might move there. So we there you go. If they let us, if they let us, <laughs> yeah, uh, if they let us leave. Right. <laughs> uh, this video, this the album, you couldn't avoid it in the '90s at no. all. It was Hootie and the Blowfish level, but not to an annoyance level like Hootie got. Right. Maybe because Hootie was I only want to be with you was one they just abused and ironic, though did get parodied a lot at the time with things and somehow Alanis has floated above like her coolness has floated above like all that. Yeah. Like yeah. Woody has become not, not a joke by any means because Darius Rucker is like enjoying a really awesome career still. Right. But like, I don't know, a lot of the, like a lot of butt of, of 90s jokes end in Hootie and the Blowfish. Or... Yeah, but I think we just got, we all got exhausted. We welcomed them in. We were like, oh, we're having fun. And then they made an album, this a second album that probably was pretty good, but I think everybody was just done by the time. And Alanis, I mean, Alanis too, like some of these people had these just gigantic albums, like debut albums or the Goo one Dolls. that hit. Google Dolls explode. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, well, gosh, I guess. They hung around. They hung around. I think they hung around better than Atlantis and Hootie. They didn't get as huge as Atlantis and Hootie. Yeah. I mean, Dizzy Up the Girl. I mean, they had Boy Named Goo was big, and then Dizzy Up the Girl was huge. Dizzy Up the Girl is their 1989 for Taylor. Oh, yeah. That's their, like, pinnacle right now. The Goo does. They're still active. And Atlantis... I was going to go see her this summer on her Jagged Little Pill tour that she was doing this summer. I think she had Liz Fair and Garbage was with her. Oh, amazing. Um, fun anecdote, my first concert I ever went to was Garbage opening for Smashing Pumpkins. So I oh, got God. to see Garbage. So I was going to see them for the first time since that. But that was, of course, we don't do concerts anymore. So that is postponed until hopefully maybe next year. We'll see. I but... don't, know, don't you agree, though, that, that Alanis enjoys a spot in the zeitgeist that is far more elevated than your goo goo dolls your oh, yeah. your hooties i mean like she's she's like a 90s artist who's who still has that nostalgia play but has kept the like i don't know if my friends already said they were going to atlanta's show i feel like the reaction would be like oh dude awesome and not like yeah cool let's relive the 90s it would be like oh you're seeing something you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean she also I mean she had roles like uh Kevin Smith and Dogma. She played God in I love his, that this universe. Yeah. yeah. And 
she's just a fun presence. And I don't think, I think while we had a lot of her at the time of this album, we didn't get too much of her after. Like she was around, but she started exploring other things once the 2000s hit. Like she, you know, when you do a jagged little pill, you're set for life. (laughs) So trivia time. And I could be, I could be wrong. I'm making this up as I go. I'm just reading from memory. So I'm putting myself out there. We'll see. Okay. What major motion picture did Alanis and Goo Goo Dolls have like seminal moments on the soundtrack for? City of Angels, because that's, that's where it. Iris came from. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uninvited from Alanis yep. and Iris from, from the Goo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And I believe that I believe another to extend to 90s soundtrack trivia, I believe the woman who wrote the lyrics for Iris wrote Don't Want to Miss a Thing for Aerosmith. Interesting. I believe, I believe that's a connection there. Like she was I remember watching a um, Entertainment Tonight story on her because she was this like 90s soundtrack hit maker. Like wow. she and and cuz I think it was around Don't Want to Miss a Thing cuz she gave Aerosmith their first number 1 hit with that, believe it or not. No way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Walk this way, loving an elevator, never hit. Huh? Never number one on a, a chart or anything like what? that. They had albums that charted at number one, but never a song that got all the way up there till Don't Want to Miss a Thing. That, it's funny that, that you mentioned that. Like Springsteen is one of those guys who's never had a number one song except Blinded by the Light. But yeah. It wasn't his recording of Blinded by the Light that went to number one. It was <laughs> Man's. Oh, wow. Like, Bruce Springsteen has never had a number one. And you're like, gosh, that guy's a legend. But yeah, it's never happened. Dang. Crazy. Awesome. All right. Well, um, that'll do it for this week. Uh, This was a fun one. Like, really fun. Let me just say a major thank you for letting me come on and chat. And a thank you to anyone who listened. Thank you to Brandon's audience for sharing him with me this week. Uh, this has been this has been so much fun. Hey, no, it's been great. And before we do call it off, once again, let people know where they can find what you're doing and uh, maybe uh, pick up a read for the weekend. Yeah, if you need a read for the weekend, visit amazon.com slash author slash press maxim. Of course, you can find that link on my Twitter or Instagram handle which is just at PressMaxon, at P-R-E-S-M-A-X-S-O-N. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work com. I'll be back next week for something a bit different for the Thanksgiving holiday week I have in store. I'm looking forward to it. And until then, have a great weekend. And please remember to keep the positivity in your online film chatter. Please remember to keep the irony in your <laughs> car rides. Don't you think? Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com.
The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.